Chapter 31, Volcan Toliman, Search for the Horn Guan It was a two-kilometre walk to the Minerva bus terminal in Quetzaltenango. I had expected a big building with the usual plastic seats where I could sit down and read my book, but there wasn't even that. It was just a big dirty market area. I'd arrived an hour early and had nothing to do but sit at one of the little grubby food stalls with low plastic chairs. I plonked myself down at the nearest one and ordered some tacos. Guatemaltecos insist on having four thick maize tortillas with their tacos including a stringy piece of meat and some veg cut in less than hygienic conditions. I miss the Mexican ones of two thin flour tortillas with some meat directly off the spit and a nice spicy sauce. I stayed as long as I could bear it before standing up and walking twenty meters further down to another little stall for my second course. A short woman with several teeth missing and a mad smile served me another less than hygienic meal. I was sure I would get sick, especially when I bit into one of the larger pieces of meat and gristle to find the center raw. She did have a nice hot chocolate, though, which warmed me up a little. In between the crowd of buses, all honking and pulling in and out, swarmed hundreds of men like little ants, trying to get punters on their buses. There seemed almost to be some order to the chaos. Each old bluebird U.S. school bus had been repainted in gaudy colors and had religious slogans pasted on the front, like God bless my journey. They had two ladders on the back that men would run up and down with heavy sacks of vegetables and other assorted goods. They balanced their heavy loads on their back of their necks, which were bent forward at unnatural angles. As I was first on the bus, I managed to get the seat behind the driver, which had extra legroom where I could put my big backpack. This was a relief, because I was still paranoid about it disappearing off the roof. The bus was heading for Panajachel, or Pana, as everybody calls it. Guatemaltecos seem quite lazy when it comes to place names. Everywhere gets shortened to two syllables. Quetzaltenango becomes Shela, Guatemala City becomes Guate, Retoluleo becomes Reu, and Panajachel becomes Pana. When we arrived, I walked down to the edge of the huge Lago Atitlan to take a photo of the volcano I'd be climbing. The scenery was absolutely breathtaking. I had plenty of time before my bus left for San Lucas Toliman, so I sat down and had a soft drink at a little shop and a chat with an old Guatemalan guy there. I walked back into town to try and find an internet cafe. The road was filled with traveller-type shops like pizzerias and tour agencies, just the kind of place that I hate. There were lots of tenangos in Guatemala, like Quetzaltenango and Huehue Tenango. This town is called Gringo Tenango because of all the foreigners. An hour later, I went back to the bus stop to wait for mine. It came 20 minutes early and was so full that I had to put my bag on the roof. I had a pretty restless journey worrying about it. I got dropped off at the junction just outside San Lucas and got in the back of a one quetzal pickup the rest of the way into town where I managed to find a hotel which at 60 quetzales, about 8 US dollars, was the most expensive place that I've stayed in Guatemala so far. The town of San Lucas Toliman is situated at the southeast corner of Lago Atitlan and at the base of Volcan Toliman. I had read that there were trails leading up the volcano from town. It was just a matter of finding them. I dumped my bag in the hotel room and went out for an hour to see if I could find the bottom of the trail to go up tomorrow. I walked through town into some coffee plantations on the lower slopes of the extinct volcano. The people working in the plantations were amongst the friendliest people I'd met in Guatemala and greeted me with a typically Guatemalteco buenas tardes or just buenas. My fears of getting robbed receded slightly. I decided to turn back at 5pm, by which time I'd climbed high enough up to get a great view of the huge lake. It looked like a trail carried on up, so I would come back this way again tomorrow morning. I ran back down, showered and went out to get something to eat. More unspectacular tacos and some cold chicken and chips. I can't say I'm terribly impressed by Guatemalan food. It was obvious when I walked up the trail that it wasn't the conventional route up the volcano. 
Last night on the internet, I found out that it was possible to see horn guans, huge turkey-like birds with a huge knob on the top of their head, on Volcan Atitlan, next to Toliman, and I had rough directions to get there from town. This, however, would be the conventional route, with all the danger of armed robbery that went with it. The plan had formed during my restless night's sleep to try and find my way through the coffee plantations where I had gone yesterday. I would take my precious binoculars and camera with me, at the risk of getting robbed was minimal. After all, who would be lying in wait on a trail that nobody used? If I had no luck, I would try and find them on Volcan Atitlan the next day, without taking my equipment. Just my wallet containing 40 quetzales, about five dollars, and my card with a picture of a pope on it to make them feel guilty. Either way, I'd have a good day's birding today. So I set off a little after six, walking through the empty streets, accompanied by a pack of stray dogs all barking at each other. I followed the same route as before, and was soon climbing through the deserted coffee plantations. These went on for a long time, and finished at about 2,000 metres altitude, 500 metres above the town, where the slope got steeper and became grassy scrub. Looking back, I had a wonderful view over the lake, the town, and the mountains beyond. I found no trail from here, and should have turned back at this point, a fact that I would come to regret later. I thought that if I just scrambled through the scrub for a while, I might meet another trail going up from another direction. This had often worked in the past. Some of the scrub was passable, but other places were practically impenetrable. I soldiered on, scratching my arms, face, and at times I was being held in a huge spider's web. Eventually it thinned out and I came to some forest and a trail. Here I saw a few birds, including highland guans, slightly less rare, smaller cousins of the horn guans, that were about the size of a large chicken. They were jet black and the male had a bright red wattle at its throat. When they saw me, they ran along a branch to get away, and when they were out of sight, the male let loose its fantastic noise by vibrating its throat and shaking its wings to give a sound like somebody twanging huge rubber bands in rapid succession. I followed the trail uphill, where it got narrower and narrower, finally petering out altogether, leaving me progressing once again at a snail's pace through the scrub. This time it was even worse, and I ended up on my hands and knees crawling like an animal. I was faced with the dilemma of cutting my losses and turning back, or carrying on in the hope of finding another trail. It wasn't even funny. My arms were quite badly scratched by now. I was sweating like a pig and covered in debris. I came to a series of large boulders forming a small cliff and started to climb up. Halfway I lost my grip and slipped about twenty feet back down. I slumped back, beaten, looking at my battered body and bleeding hands. The words utter despair sprang to mind. Looking up, I could see large trees about a hundred metres away. In mature forests, the undergrowth is not so developed, and I thought if I could just get there, I'd have a chance of getting out. I was back on my hands and knees, crawling for what felt like hours. I made it in the end, but the going wasn't easy. From here I decided to cut across the mountain at the same level to try and find a trail. If I carried on straight up, I might never find one. It took a long time, but I finally came across one. I sat down on the trail and breathed a considerable sigh of relief. I wasn't so physically tired as in pain and emotionally drained. It had been one of the most uncomfortable experiences of my life. From here it would be slightly more plain sailing. I made my way up, admiring the huge trees. Up to 2,000 metres the forest had been completely cleared for agriculture, and for another 500 metres appeared to be a burn for who knows what reason, leaving some nasty scrub. Above 2,500 metres, though, the forest was pristine and stunningly beautiful. It was after midday now, though, and I didn't see much until 2,950 metres, just below the summit. Here the trees were more stunted, and I was afraid it might be too high for guans. I heard a rustling of leaves and spotted a large shape moving along a branch. 
At first, I thought it was another Highland Guan, but looking from my binoculars, I saw it was more than twice the size and had a huge red knob on the top of its head. I'd found the horned guans. Probably the most endangered bird in Guatemala, and one of the best birds of my trip so far. It saw me, and giving a weird, loud croaking somewhere between a frog and a pig, it flapped noisily to another tree. I noticed another one nearby, and walked closer as quietly as I could to try and get a photo. It just sat there, looking weird and croaking constantly, while I snapped away. I managed to get a few good shots before it crashed and flapped to another tree. I'd achieved my goal and sat down for a well-deserved rest, a can of pineapple juice and a sweet bun. I only wished I'd brought my recording equipment to capture the strange sounds, which, as far as I'm aware, haven't been published on CD. I tried to input the position into my GPS, but the battery had finally run out. I kicked myself for checking the altitude so much on the way up. I was well rested and I had great views of the bird, so all I had to do now was to get back to town safely, and tomorrow I could leave for El Salvador. To lessen my chances of getting robbed, I put my binoculars in my bag and started the 1,500 metres descent down the steep trail. It was so much easier going down, and I slid most of the way through powdery volcanic soil, making it feel more like skiing than walking. Several hundred metres down, I came across four young Guatemalteco guys who looked even more surprised to see me than I was to see them. They were going up to spend the night on the mountain, and all had sleeping bags on their backs, as well as long sharp machetes in their hands. I greeted them in as friendly a way as I could, without stopping, in case they had second thoughts of robbing me. They seemed quite friendly, though. I carried on down the mountain and eventually made it out of the forest and into a field of maize. I'd made great time and must have got about 500 metres lower in just half an hour. From here I had a great view of Lago Atitlan and decided to take out my camera to take a picture. I felt around inside my bag. Binoculars, GPS, flask, sweater. That's funny, where's my camera? I tipped out my bag to search through my belongings, already knowing what I'd done. After taking a picture of the guans, I must have put it down on the ground while I ate and left it there. What a nightmare. I was already exhausted, and my half an hour descent might take another two hours to get back up. Also, the guys that I had passed would probably get there first, and not believing their dumb luck, pop it in their bag. I considered going up tomorrow instead like I had done when I dropped my telescope, but if it rained at night, that would be the end. No, I had to go up now. So I wouldn't have the extra weight, I wouldn't have to worry about getting robbed. I hid my bag in the side of the field in some bushes next to a scarecrow. I started climbing as fast as I could and soon passed the four guys who didn't seem in any particular hurry. They looked even more surprised to see me this time and probably thought I was going to try and rob them. All with confused expressions on their faces, they asked me what I was doing and I told them I'd forgotten something but didn't specify what. After an exhausting climb, I made it and the camera was just where I thought it was. I tucked it under my shirt so the guys wouldn't see it on the way down. When I passed them again, they said it was too late to be going down, and that I should stay with them on the mountain and go down in the morning. I lied that my girlfriend was waiting at the bottom, and they told me to hurry down before dark. I made it out of the forest and found my bag where I hid it. I walked down through the maize field and turned around to look up at the mountain I had just climbed twice. It was a long way down, and the plantation seemed to go on forever. It was like a maze, and a few times I had to stop to ask plantation workers which was the way back to town. An old guy pointed one way, and when I started walking, he and his two mates burst out laughing. It was really the other way. Just a little joke. No Mexican would have done that in a million years. When I got back, I had two showers, which got me almost clean. Tomorrow, I could leave for El Salvador. <laughs>